0: Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. Is anyone still listening? Hello? No, I'm just kidding. This is your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my friend, co-host, and belly growth,
1: Al- Alex Dandino. Alex <laughs> Dandino.
0: Friend, co-host, and belly growth, I'm going to get your tombstone made early. (laughs) All right, guys, this is it. The pod has stuffed your stocking to the brim. Uh, So we're ending our December in January because, you know, scheduling. Uh, But, yeah, guys, this is it. The 4th. pick uh from our friends and listeners thank you guys it's been a great month we've had a lot of fun with these picks you guys uh delivered just as we knew you would today we are ending with the brood probably my favorite of all the movies we watched this month i've loved the brood uh for a really long time cronenberg was the guy i found in college right so in high school i was clearing out my my classics of horror so a lot of finding like Oh, I'll watch all 15 Hellraisers or whatever, right? And then in college, it's like, oh, I like better horror, like The Fly, right? Which you'd already seen The Fly. And so then you start venturing back through Cronenberg. And I've said this on the show before, I think, that if I had to pick any director's filmography to be my own, I think I'd take Carpenter. But the more we do this, this is the second, third Cronenberg will have done? I think Cronenberg might be my number two. Uh, For favorite filmography after yeah? Carpenter. I, I fucking love David Cronenberg movies. I, uh, so, yeah, this is The Brood. Have I mentioned this is The Brood? You have
1: mentioned that. I really think...
0: 1979's The Brood.
1: I think this movie is just so... I mean, you're, you're right, though. Like, everything David Cronenberg, particularly... I mean, it's interesting because he became popular really in focus after, like... Besides The Fly. His next big, like, huge hit to me was probably... History of Violence was the next one that like really like made a big splash for him.
0: And that's such History of Violence is one of those two the audience that found that and would be like, "Wow, I really like this guy's work." Going back and finding his old movies yeah. would be like,
1: "What the It f-? would really like shock yeah. you because I remember yeah,
0: everyone's I, least favorite uncle at Thanksgiving is going back watching The Brood like,
1: "Hey, this is not what
0: I signed up for." Yeah,
1: I remember I remember uh <laughs> my dad saw History of Violence. He's like, "I love that movie." I'm like, "You know that's the guy who did The Fly, right?" And he goes, no, like that was like the yeah. conversation uh-uh. we had after it was like, that's not true. I'm like, yes, it is. Watch the fly. And like, yeah, but this the... is
0: actually like, listen to this run that he pulled off. though. <laughs> so he did the brood scanners, video yep. Rome, video drone. Sorry, video drone, the dead zone, uh, the fly. Then he did uh dead ringers all in a row. Oh, my God, a naked lunch. I forgot yeah. about that. You always Holy forget, shit. You what a run.
1: For, yeah, like, this is, like, this was also, this was Cronenberg time, man. I feel like 79 to, like, probably 80, probably, like, 88 was, like, hardcore. Yeah. Like, he was, like, churning them out one after another, man. It was, he's... He's such a fascinating director. Like, if you read like a little bit about him and just his history in general, like I, like, we could do a whole month honestly on Cronenberg, and I would have no problem. We will.
0: Like, <laughs> there's still plenty. I right. To like, get there's to.
1: plenty of like. It's just such an. He's such a fascinating guy. Something really fascinating that I was reading about regarding The Brood, too. Though, is like this is one of three movies he feels is like most personal and most autobiographical for him personally, which I think is really interesting and really like recontextualizes the movie a lot too. Like this movie is autobiographical in a way, like during the production of this film, he was in like this heated custody battle for his child, for his daughter, from his first marriage. And so this movie becomes a lot about that. And a lot about sort of the uh, psych, the psychological trauma of dealing with that kind of fallout. It's fascinating, man. It really is something else.
0: Yeah. Well, this is something that I think Cronenberg does really well is this movie, on its on its surface, just kind of feels this uh, insanely beat you over the head with the largest hammer symbolism, right? right? Yeah, thinly veiled like oh, family drama, and ah, eh, we'll just say that that forms into a monster. Like, I get it, but I don't think that the the kind of on the nose of the symbolisms ever slow down or kind of muck up the works
1: no not at all
0: so this this just feels like the movie my mom would have loved right yeah is are kid this kind of like family drama this and that but then it's like okay for me to watch it too because there's monsters growing out of people's guts <laughs> yeah but, uh, i mean and this is like this one has the other honor which i love right is i have had a very strange obsession with oliver reed for years
1: <laughs> i knew you were gonna say that he oh is,
0: uh, I find him so shockingly fascinating. There's this movie, it's hard to find, it's really good, called The Devils, right? I think it's a Ken Russell directed it. Mm-hmm. And essentially, he plays this kind of like on-the-come-up priest, right? He's like this rock star priest in this town. And then uh, the nuns, one of the nuns starts saying, oh, he's marked by the devil, right? She's like kind of like, oh, I want to be a slutty nun, but oh, right, this right. guy's fucking shutting me down. Now I'm going to scar him right right because then it becomes this big political thriller but also there's all these nun orgies and pretending they're like possessed by the satanic spirits and oliver oh reed God. can't all the way shut it down because he's like it's true i did like to fuck a lot and i party i party hard <laughs> this movie sounds right? incredible yeah. it's fucking awesome movie dude and oliver reed just he's got that voice and that presence that just the first time i ever saw oliver reed you're like Oh my god, I love this guy. Well, like captivating. There's,
1: there's so much of Oliver Reed, the of Oliver Reed, Oliver Reed that's wrapped up in like. I feel like I always thought of him as like the poor man's Richard Burton, but then the more I really thought about it, and the more I watched Fuck Oliver, that. The, <laughs> right? The more I watched, like that was like originally kind of like my original notion towards Oliver Reed, and then as the older I got, the more I watched Oliver Reed movies versus Richard Burton. I'm like, oh no, Richard Burton's the poor man's Oliver Reed, of course. Like that's. <laughs> Like this total reversal because they are like eerily they have that eerily similar looking uh, like, you know, just they're both eerily similar, similar uh, British looking dudes. Well, they look, and they, have they look like of,
0: generic dad from a Twilight Zone episode.
1: Yeah. And they also have very similar. Like, this is the funny
0: thing, right? I read this in the trivia that Oliver Reed got arrested during filming. Yes. Because <laughs> he bet some guy that he could walk between Canadian <laughs> bars in the snow butt ass naked. <laughs> And I was like, "Fuck yeah, dude! I want to party with Richard R- or Oliver Reed.
1: That guy's the greatest." He's, you're like, "God, dude, that guy is amazing."
0: I yeah. Speaking he- of the brood, this is again. I, I, we had this last time. My baby still has not discovered how to get past my uh, scrunchie door lock. <laughs> so I turned around, and my baby's got his head and arm between the doors. The scrunchie's holding us. It's like, oh dear God.
1: Oh wow, that's a, that's a real brood moment. That's straight out of the flick, right there.
0: Yeah, my kid actually, he fell. Cause it's winter outside and he has this big ass coat on like a Christmas story right. and he fell, couldn't brace himself. So he just caught his face on the sidewalk with his nose first. Oh God. So he's covered in blood. So he's got a little chud look to him right now. <laughs> a little broody, my baby, but <laughs> all right, guys, let's dive into this. This movie starts uh, with a scene that I couldn't get enough of. I actually, I had to skip back <laughs> the DVD uh, or actually i wasn't watching i was digital or whatever so i did the like skip back to the scene or whatever right i think i watched the opening scene about six times in a row before i could let the movie move on uh <laughs> i, I, I it's this weird because it's like half a religious sermon yeah half uh actor class uh uh-huh. but also just hardcore public negging and I couldn't make heads or tails of what I was supposed to get, right? So here, the piece of information we glean is that he is this doctor of what are they, psycho, psychotropics? Psycho, is that what they call it?
1: Psychoplasmics. Psychoplasmics,
0: yeah. And I don't even know that we get this part early, but essentially he's a, like a rock star therapist. Right. And his theory being is that you manifest physically your traumas, right? And they never say this, right? Once you manifest them physically, if they are then excised from the body, if you feel better about yourself. No, they never come back Because seemingly everyone in his care is not doing well.
1: No. Everyone <laughs> and, and in so and out of his care is fucked. Yeah,
0: that's right. Like He doesn't seem to be doing a lot of good in the world. Psychoplasmic but he seems like a bad idea. he loves these people. Yeah. Bad. <laughs> so yeah, so he's got bearded Garfunkel up here. <laughs> and the guy... Uh the guy Mike's just like, I want to be a little girl named Michelle, and he's like, You fucking sicken me. I'm your father and I hate your fucking guts. And he's just like going in on him, right? Well, and I was just I, I don't know, it is and it's fascinating. Then to do it in front of a room yeah. full of people.
1: The part that and then I... all
0: of a sudden uh Michelle breaks out and these fucking boils all over his body. Yeah. The it's part... very strange. I it reminded me of what it must have been like to watch like an old witch finder. Yeah. I just try to like nag and abuse some woman into admitting that she was guilty of cohorting with the devil.
1: <laughs> the part that I loved about that scene was there's this there's this beat where he says, Michelle, like it's an accident and like it's a Freudian slip or something. He goes, Sorry, Michelle. Oh, wait. Maybe I meant Mike. I'm like, You asshole. Like, you just well, what does he say to
0: He's like, You can't be a Mike. You're too weak. You're too gross. You're sickening me. <laughs> Sick in me. And, and say, he's just like damn, digging doc- the knife.
1: And I'm like, Dude. Give this guy a break. Also, you're like,
0: this is not 79. You can't just go all Caitlyn Jenner like, this guy's going to have to inhabit Mike again. We've got to be nice to this guy. (laughs) (laughs) We've got to make it okay to be Mike, even if it's not his ideal setting. You can't burn the Mike down and then just leave Michelle wandering around as a bearded Garfunkel. Yeah, no, this is 79. We don't have that.
1: (laughs) That's not the luxury we have (laughs) in
0: 1979. Oh, my God. It's. I, I don't know, because this is the weird thing. I'm like, I don't know that this does a lot for the narrative, but I was so insane. And this might be my <laughs> Oliver Reed uh, captivation, but I just could not stop watching that opening. I, um, And then we start from there. What we find out is the, that Oliver Reed is, um, he's a therapist who also has patients who live with him, right? So now we're into almost cult territory. <clears throat> so this
1: guy who came and watched
0: the the service I don't know would you call that a service
1: I'd call it like a de- it's, I'd say it's more like a demonstration yeah
0: so this guy Frank comes and watch come to find out his wife lives there and her daughter lives with them too as part of this commune yeah but she can't see the mom very often no which leaves this kind of big red flags of hey wait what the fuck is that kid doing you know 6.75 <laughs> days of the week <laughs> when they're not with the mom and then you see the end of the movie and you're like holy shit she should not have been there
1: for you one second of a day <laughs>
0: So yeah, so Frank uh, comes to pick up his daughter. She's real kind of monotone and despondent. Yeah. When he gets her home and he's giving her a bath, he sees that she's all fucked up. She's yeah. covered in bruises and scratches and bites. I think he even says some of them look like bite marks. Yeah, yeah. And so this sets up our, our yeah. game of the movie, right? Because this guy wants to know what's happening inside of this compound with this therapist. And what I like is that the movie does a good job of using him out front as the, the main creep, right? We're kind of always focusing on him as the bad guy. Right. And it, it takes us a little while to realize that there are way worse things happening.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, it's one of those, this movie is so fascinating because it feels like it's going to take a while to really get started. And then like when something horrible happens, it happens with a fucking fury. Like, and the yeah. way it's cut together, like, mainly I'm talking about, like, when um the the scene with the grandma. Like, because Holy there is shit. this great preamble, and you do sort of, like, learn, so, like, really quickly. And also without introducing the mom, like, until what? Like, maybe well, like, here's the halfway funny thing. through All the movie? We
0: know- <laughs> All we know is that, like, this cult leader feels highly unstable. Like, he should not be around kids. The mom yeah. is so bad that he's treating her, right? We've seen the Michelle treatment. Right. And we're like, oh, my God, his wife is getting that, and she has to be kept in isolation. <laughs> yeah. So how yeah. fucked up is she? And then we are given this, like, Andy Dick paradox. Like, he seems like – they both seem like bad people, but somehow have won custody over Frank. And the only description – oh, my God, my kid is going nuts. Do yeah. you hear it? I'm living in the brood.
1: <laughs> if I
0: take one drink of scotch, that kid's going to drop a hammer on my face. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, so – you're left wondering really early, like, what the fuck did Frank do to lose custody? Of his
1: yeah. Kid? That's like and all his lawyer does. Thing. He's
0: like, the law favors motherhood. We all know that.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's the okay. only explanation, too. Like, that's literally <laughs> the only explanation we have of why, like, to never explain why Frank lost the, lost custody of them. Oh, you know, they like mothers, not men. Like, and he's like an architect. Like, that's the other thing, too. He has, like, a stable gig. Dude, he gig.
0: seems like a high-powered – like, my theory on Frank is I'm like, all right, this is a good-looking guy, used to be quarterback, got his hot wife. You right. know, then they had a kid. They're not plowing as much because, you know, those of us that are parents, you know life uh, life doesn't always find a way, man. It's hard. It's hard. It's the anti gold. Uh And all of a sudden, Frank's like, hey, man, I'm out here architecting. I'm getting clogged up, though. It's hurting me. I got to go sling this dick. I got to <laughs> sling this dick clear the pipe so that I can build dream houses or what
1: I assume. So
0: my theory I, is Frank just had an affair.
1: It's weird. Cause I assumed at the top that he was just an abusive husband and that's why he doesn't have custody.
0: I see to me I don't see any evidence of him being abusive throughout the whole movie. I think what we learned is that his wife is obviously insanely right. abusive.
1: I think because she's fucked up they assume it's his fault kind of. Like I think I, there's a lot yeah. of assumptions I made about the relationship between his name Frank it, Frank and uh <laughs> Samantha There's Eggers a lot character.
0: of foggy backstory that I feel like we could have used a little more of in the, like normally yeah. I'm not a huge fan of tell me all the stuff before This one I wanted a little bit because it really stuck in my craw. Yeah,
1: there's a lot of shit Frank had lost
0: custody. I mean, granted, do you think that Frank was like, you know what? I can't take care of a kid. I'm out here slinging D and building houses. I can't do it.
1: I mean, I don't even know if it's that. Honestly, my bigger concern is like, how bad is it with Frank that 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 going with Oliver Reeve and his fucking crazy dungeon of fuck monsters was the like that was the alternative that was like sub
0: question to that. Frank has been to the Michelle torture. Yeah. And he's like, I'll leave my kid here. I got a real busy weekend of plenty of fishing. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Frank is like definitely not father of the year. Like, yeah, no, I
0: think Frank is probably the biggest piece of shit dad of all time in a movie. (laughs) If you watch some guy literally break down a bearded Garfunkel, uh, with a woman trapped inside of him, just destroy his whole life and make him break out in hives. And you're like, it's a very suitable atmosphere for my teenage <laughs> daughter. I think the biggest travesty of this movie is that Frank never fucking meets the final the final sleep. <laughs> but uh, it's so strange, man. But I'm with you, right? So we're kind of doing this, like, <laughs> kind of sadder version of Kramer versus Kramer for a minute. <laughs> and, then, and then out of nowhere, this is where the nightmare feel starts, right? So Oliver Reed busts in on the mom. And... This is one of those performances, right? Uh, this is Samantha Eggers, the actress.
1: She only shot uh, four days on this movie. Her entirety it's, of it's the crazy, shoot. It's crazy. Because
0: she's playing this character, Nola, right? This is Frank's wife and Candy's mom. Right. She is just one of those, like, dream castings. Yeah. Because I'm not, I'm not familiar enough to know how big of a star she was at the time. This and that. She is so fucking perfect for Nola in this movie. Yeah. She just... The moment we see her on screen, you're like, Holy fuck. It reminded me of when I was a kid and the first time I saw Cruella DeVille. And you're like, Everything is telling me this is the scariest person ever in a movie. And her eyes just have this intensity. Yeah. I think that's the and thing that's most unsettling
1: is her eyes. Oh like, my God. The, she has the like fucking crazy fiery
0: ghostwriter like fury yeah. pouring from her eyeballs. It's yeah. crazy. And then just to make her more scary, Oliver Reed saunters over. And takes a seat and he's like, mommy, I'm Kendi. Mommy, you hurt me. You hurt me, mommy. And I'm like, oh, man. I was like, if Oliver Reed was bad when he was like the nagging dad, him being like the abused child is maybe the scariest performance (laughs) I've ever seen. (laughs) There's a small part of me that's like, God, if only like with deep, what is it, deep fake technology or deep think technology? Right. What is that thing they're making all the fake porns of Scarlett Johansson and shit? You know, there's putting something, Nicolas Cage as every character in Lord of the Rings. There's something what if you else could do that, step? but you take Oliver Reed as Candy and make him the child in Hereditary? <laughs> to become the scariest movie of all time.
1: Maybe The Brood is sort of this like. It's interesting because I think about Oliver Reeve like doing this scene. Like imagine him doing that scene, like this really emotionally wrought, powerful scene. <laughs> And then that night he goes out and, and he gets naked at a bar and walks across the street on a dare. Like, that's the kind of thing I'm like, God, I'll read this. He's, the-
0: he's just sitting there with a shot. And he's like, I, I got to get off this movie, but I need to keep my union health insurance. He's like, this lady is fucking freaking me out. I'm so scared.
1: I love the idea. I'm so scared idea. that I'll
0: risk I'll risk frostbite on my dingus
1: i'll risk frostbite on my dick just to get out of this thing like she scared the shit out of me today
0: i can't stare into the soulless abyss of fury eyes maybe she's what's on the other side of the event horizon portal that makes everyone freak the fuck out you go through the giant uh wormhole engine in event horizon it's just samantha
1: eggers just giant eyeballs just staring at you for eons yeah
0: you come back and you're like yeah i'm just gonna have a blood orgy and you know do that so i can fucking you know, murder the nightmares away.
1: <laughs> so, like, they do this. So oh, my they do God. This, Remember, like, though,
0: when they start talking and then she's like, you're right. I'm a fucked up mommy. I'm a fucked up mommy. Oh, dude. And it's like, yeah. oh, my God. It's like, that it's like that's is-
1: what Dennis Hopper watched to get, like, jacked up for Blue, Blue Velvet. That's what I like. Holy it just shit. reminded me of, like, the Blue Velvet thing. Like,
0: You know what would have been good is if Dennis Hopper had played the brood. <laughs> Could you have handled that much crazy? Could there have been a movie where Samantha Edgar and Oliver Reed are doing role play, <laughs> and then little she lifts her uh, brazier, and it's just little fucking Dennis Hoppers, just
1: like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Peps Blue Ribbon. <laughs> it's like oh my god, just like pushing through this weird like w- like <laughs> exterior womb, like yeah, and his weird little like smile face, and like hey guys, like oh, holy
0: man. shit. No, I think that would be too much. That's just too much for one It'd movie. Be too would
1: be too much for one movie. But yeah. Billy
0: like- Graham would have been in his super church saying like, The Exorcist and The Brood now. The Brood was fine, but you added Dennis Hopper. That's too much. <laughs> we can't have these movies. So she does this. Okay, do you think the doctor is banging the mom?
1: Oliver Reed? No,
0: I don't. Oh, dude, I think he's definitely pounding. Really? Nah. One, they have a lot of kind of sexual tension, right? Maybe it's just because she's so fucking fiery in the film. Yeah. You just feel it. But this is the other thing. She is the manifestation of all of his work. I think he is constantly like, hey, you know what I mean? Like, take your blouse off, get on and ride, and I can just, like, stare at the little rage babies flopping around and be like, God, I'm a genius. I I
1: feel like that's... Oliver Reed is rock hard every time he's in that room. If there is something going on between them, I feel like that's just too mundane for what this movie is. Like, this is a guy who... This is a guy who... uh, uh, exam Like, psychologically examines people to the point where they manifest physical ailments. So, like, I feel like if he's going to do anything, this- he's going to, like, describe having sex with her until, like, a baby explodes out of, like, alien explodes out of her stomach or something like that.
0: He's going to just roleplay nag her into orgasms.
1: <laughs> I bet you can't even get off. Oh, yeah, there you go. If
0: there was one man I think could talk someone into just, like, an audible orgasm, it might be Oliver For Reed. For sure, Oliver One of my Reed. favorite movie voices. 100% no, Oliver Reed. This is also the scene where they unveil that her dad used to get drunk and beat on the mom a little bit. Mm-hmm. Or was it vice versa? Would the mom get drunk and beat on the dad? Anyways, the mom was insane, too. She had some mental issues. Yeah. Like- and it wasn't going well. And the mom had to go to the hospitals covered in bumps herself.
1: Oh. So, like... But then so it, this
0: is one of the things, like, is psychotropics the reason she has the... Plasmics. Plasmics, right, sorry. Or is she the perfect example of this because she's already pre-manifesting, right? Well... This is one of those, like, kind of things they just say in a movie just to, like... And they just leave it out there like nothing. Right. That then sends my brain running off on, oh, my God, this is like a whole another series of movies. Like, this is the next step in evolution. Is that humans are just going to get so mad at each other over how stupid we are. They're just going to breed our own little broods and they're going to take over everything. Well, because it
1: comes up at the end. Like, that's the thing. And that's the thing I really like about the movie, too, is it's not just like this straight, like, horror thing. The horror, again, like, is super subtextual and means something. But at the end of the movie, too, with Candy and the little bump she has on her arm already. Like, that's the kind of thing.
0: Candy manifesting is a great, like, one of those final, like, gotcha stingers. Yeah. Well, it's not really like I gotcha, It's just like an awesome. But it's one of those pin, things where you know like it's mean?
1: not necess- it, it, it it's like a chicken or the egg thing. Like what really yeah. is the situation here? Like that's the thing that's great about the movie too is you're constantly kind of like especially when the fucking brood actually starts showing up, you're like, "Oh, that's like in a way kind of sweet." <laughs> like
0: <laughs> That was your reaction? Like, okay. You know what this movie reminded me of, though?
1: The Rescuers.
0: For a minute, (laughs) Um, I was like, is this just a prequel to Carrie?
1: (laughs) Okay. Do you know why I thought that, though? Because fucking Samantha Eggers' giant scary eyes. And I thought about the mom from Carrie. I'm like, did she decide to get out of the psychoplasmic thing and then go to the middle of nowhere and have another kid? And, like, maybe she stole Candy back and renamed her Carrie? Yes.
0: And Candy's all kind of subdued, right? We see at the end she's manifesting. Also, it makes the dirty pillows thing so much scarier and grosser. (laughs)
1: Oh. oh my God. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Way to go. Way to go. You made it worse. I think
0: it works. I made it worse. But yeah, that's where my brain goes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I actually love the brood in this movie too. It's funny because I was telling you, I actually watched this with my mother, which added such an extra creep level to it. As we both kind of looked at each other like, ooh. That last scene with my mom oh, was yeah. maybe as uncomfortable as we've been watching a movie together. I'm trying to think. She was really – like, we went to see Borat together, and she was just staring at me the whole time they are having, like, the naked man wrestling. Right.
1: See, like, this is the this thing This was up is, there. Like
0: – We were very uncomfortable with this movie. Like,
1: this is what <laughs> – like, this is the difference, though. Like, you can – you and Zayna can watch this kind of movie and just have an uncomfortable silence something like that. My mom talks through all these things like the most uncomfortable experience I ever had watching a movie was watching a black swan with my mom. And five minutes in, she was like, when does she turn into a bird? When's the bird thing start happening? What is it called? Black Swan. If she doesn't turn into a bird, I'm like, Donna, you got to stop talking and you got to watch the movie like you got to stop every five minutes. She asked when it was going to turn into a bird. And I was like, you know what? Fuck this. Like, I, I almost, like, walked out of the... Th- I almost walked out. I was like, I can't do this anymore. But, like...
0: No, I think the only conversation we had before we just awkwardly didn't talk or make eye contact the rest of the movie was, we're like, why does every single house have the most disgusting yellow wallpaper? Well, you I was like, no wonder all these people are going crazy and murdering. <laughs>
1: Well, you don't you don't like taupe? That's not your color of choice. No, me
0: and my mom, we're very home and gardens when we get uncomfortable. We just start talking. We start start talking uh, <laughs> hammers and nails, you know what I mean?
1: Oh my god. Yeah, so the like But the
0: first kill of this movie is pretty awesome.
1: It's really cool and I was thinking about I realized I hadn't seen this in quite some time and I thought about like I always thought that it happened a lot slower, but that scene just picks up so quick. And, like, goes so fast. And you're like, also, Grandma, you are really dumb to just walk into it. Like, you're not looking around and you're just saying, wow, someone's just making a mess in my fucking kitchen. It's like, lady. She's
0: just shit-faced dreaming about having sex with Frank.
1: Oh, that's true. She's
0: not being a good grandma. (laughs) (laughs) This is something I had forgotten about the movie, though. I felt like the reveal of the brood came way later. Because we were watching it and my mom's like, wait, the little girl killed... The grandma, and I was like, oh, damn it, she's gonna like figure it out too early. Because I remember seeing like the little rotten hands, right? Yeah, and remember, I remember it like I thought they played it more as like, oh, it's some kind of like mutant or whatever. There's actually a great headline in the news, they have one of those awesome fake newspapers, right? Where after the uh, kindergarten murder, and they're like, the cops are looking for murderous dwarves. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, that's awesome, but uh, I thought. I thought they kept the brood back a little bit because they're dressed in the exact same coats, yeah. which leads you to another question. You're like, wait, so do they pop out of her uh, hate wombs already in Dollar Tree coats, or did they have to go buy like those in bulk
1: somewhere? I, don't I like know. to think that they. I like to. Think I thought she they did. held it back
0: though, more to make it a little more mysterious.
1: No, I mean like they hold it out in the way like like you don't really get a good shot of the first like that first kill. You don't really get like. A full well, on. Well, no, shot. you see
0: the kid holding the bars like you, on the stairs. You
1: barely see the kid, like it's. Sh- well, but this is heavily it's, shadowed,
0: it's, right? It's a weird one because you can tell that physically this looks just like the girl, but different, right? Yeah, but it's also one of those. I think Cronenberg probably is like, I don't give a shit because no one is going to figure out what is happening.
1: Yeah. Well, that's like, <laughs> like bi- I don't
0: know that anyone watching it on the first try can be honest with themselves and say. Oh yeah, I knew she was growing them under that uh, fucking no. muumu she's wearing. There's literally
1: there's no one in the history of the world who watched this movie and, went, well, I figured this out in the first thirty minutes. Like it's not one of those kinds of movies, but yeah, it careens into this. Again, I fucking love the subtext of the kids though. Like the brood itself is just such a fascinating. And especially like when they start figuring out like the coincidence of like, oh, every time she has a session and some fucked up shit comes up, that's right. when these things manifest and go after somebody. Like every like everything about this movie is this awesome subtextual story about essentially like yeah, like Cronenberg's custody battle and all that kind of shit. It's really right. fascinating. Because you don't think about it because because it does become this like pretty much like a horror movie for a while. And then you realize like, Oh, and what's crazy is that ending, which is insane. And visually We have
0: these like three gnarly murder scenes. Right. But what's happening in between is we have a session with, uh, Nola. And we learn about some extra element of kind of childhood trauma. right? Right. And as that's played in, that is then mixed with, we see the adults in the movie, not coping well with whatever they went through. Right. And then it's intercut with, uh, you know, Frank and Candy trying to just kind of keep their head above water as all of this is crashing down on them. Right. So what it is, it's this very direct uh, connect the dots between the trauma that has never left and constantly keeps re-manifesting themselves. Right. Right. And And that's what I mean. Like, this movie on its core is just about little fucking mutants murdering people and this and that, and this awesome, amazing fucking practical effect, disgusting uh, reveal at the end. It's But there's, so it's gross. a really interesting uh, way to examine the way that trauma kind of turns us all into the brood, right? One of the things I like that they did in the creature design is that they're sent out to destroy something, but they had this like little ball sack on their back. And when that runs out of fuel, they can't, it anymore right and i was like that it seems like a little thing to just (laughs) explain why there aren't like eight million little brood kids right but also it's a it's a really interesting way to think of people who are survivors of trauma Mm -hmm. right is that when this happens we all kind of become these deformed versions of ourselves with this little sack that's just filled with hate and rage and guilt and upset and and that often is what fuels us as we go out and then spread that hate and destroy things that are close to us. And we love, um, you know, a lot of us that grew up in, you know, kind of places where things like this happened. Right. I I've connected very much that to some of the darker bad times of my childhood. And I'm like, it seems like just one of those little kind of sci-fi horror things to throw in. Right. But I th- again, it's, The metaphor while being exact, it's like really on the fucking nose. It also works constantly.
1: Yeah. I don't think there's anything in this movie that I, there's nothing in this movie that I saw that wasn't deliberate and also meant to be, wasn't just like frivolously done for the sake of like, Oh, that's just going to look gross. That's going to look weird. That's going to scare people. Like there's nothing about the way this is interpreted or the way that this is presented itself that, um, seems like it's just horror for horror's sake. That's not how this movie's intended and that's not how this movie's being made because again, like this is and this is to Cronenberg's credit. Like Cronenberg, especially in the late seventies, early eighties, made movies that are were meant to evoke like you're thinking about you have to think about something globally and you have to think about something how it affects you personally and socially for it to be truly horrific. And that's really something that he started with uh back when he did uh um the one with the porn star, like one of his first movies. What is that movie called? Off the top of my head, I can't even remember right now. But um, which
0: one? Cronenberg, Rabbit?
1: Yeah, thank you, Rabbit. Yeah, like Rabbit was one of those movies. It's one of the, it's one of those movies that again, it's a social commentary. It's about everything he does, and especially what he does within the genre of horror, is about something else entirely. He follows that tradition of Romero, where it's like this isn't about some unknowable horror. This is about us. I'm just using something that you're you're familiar with to make you really think about it because this is what it that's what the brood is. It's about the trauma we carry with ourselves everywhere and how it. Fa- I mean, in this one, it fantastically manifests physically, but all our trauma manifests physically in some way. Like we all yeah. have panic attacks or something like that, and it just gets that much worse. I mean, obviously, none of right. us have ever, you know, brooded a hate womb and all a bunch of babies come out of it, but never, you've never done,
0: you've never done that. never I, done that. I never, I never had never that ex- been to Disney. <laughs> Believe it or not. I've never been... been to Disney. That's all we do as a species. <laughs> never th- had, never yeah. had that experience. Just kidding. I actually, I am kidding about kidding. Cause I do hate children at Disney. But that's <laughs> <here or> there. <laughs> no, but I think you're on to it. Like one of the things I love about Cronenberg is the really big idea as told through kind of small nuance character. And I, I think the Fly's really good about that. You know, that's a That's like one of those movies I laugh about, right? Like I was uh, actually working on a book a while ago and I was writing a chapter about movies like this. And I wrote this whole thing on honey. I shrunk the kids, right? Where it's this movie is the scariest movie that's ever been made. Like the (laughs) implications of honey. I shrunk the kid are terrifying. And the world ends when this movie's over, right? Like all hell breaks loose and our species is dead because of Wayne Selinsky. Right. (laughs) That is very much the way the fly is. But Cronenberg Always finds a way to just narrow it down, so it still feels like the small personal thing. Yeah, as you extrapolate out to these fucking big, like earth-changing and shattering events. Yeah, and yeah, and this this is one of those too. This this is like a personal world-shattering event, right? Because, right. like I said, we all have our our traumas and this and that. And this one's just relatable. Not relatable enough that you know Nola should have had custody, but relatable <laughs> somewhat.
1: Not re- no. This uh, no one should have custody about- of Candy in this movie.
0: Yeah, this is
1: this is all bad. <laughs> I actually think Michelle's the only one capable of having custody of Candy. I,
0: this is something I wrote. I'm like, how much money I would give for a sequel? that's just uh, Michelle and uh nutsack Throat to do a buddy <laughs> comedy, <laughs> like Midnight Run, where it's just uh, creepy Hugh Hefner with the ball sack throat and Michelle on the run.
1: Oh my god! By the way, I love that guy's scene when Frank goes and visits him. That is like one of my. Well, he's like rolling favorite on the floor. <laughs> That's one of my all-time favorite performances. Like, he's so fucking weird. It's so he's uncomfortable. He's so
0: weird, and he's got the comb over, and he's very greasy. Yeah.
1: And he keeps and talking about it, No man should ever too.
0: greet another man in a robe, I feel like. He keeps that discussing how evil. greasy
1: he is, too. I'm like, why does this keep coming up? Please stop. Yeah. And, and it's then because he, of his throat nuts. And then he That's shows, a psycho, <laughs> shows his throat psychoplasmic nuts. Psychoplasmic <laughs> What if you did a
0: movie with him and Michelle, right? Where it's like Howard the Duck style, where they're trying to race around as more psychoplasmic, start growing weird things on them, and then they have to like cornhole those back into a demon
1: realm. (laughs) I love this use of the word cornhole. (laughs) Yeah,
0: it's really been picking up for me lately. No, I'll work on it. But I wrote that down. I'm like, this is the movie that I feel like we were cheated out of big time.
1: (laughs) This really sweet two-hander between Michelle and the throat nuts.
0: Yeah, because I was just like, these characters are so strange. Yeah. And so shockingly weird. That guy gives such I a strange performance.
1: More. It's so uncomfortable. Like Well, because when, when Frank comes into
0: the room with both of them, that really gives you the sense because Frank is kind of the the you know, he's like the backup Hollywood leading man, right? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Alright, so we're done. You know, he's not like a movie star guy, but he's got the looks. He looks like the guy that just walks through life doing okay, because right. those guys do. And you see him juxtaposed with Michelle and uh <laughs> old robesack, and you're like, Wow. You're like I need to see them amongst the rest of the populace so bad. <laughs> badly. You could even do like a what is it? Three men and a baby with those two. Yeah. I mean maybe those maybe it's those two and Frank in a full house scenario trying to raise Candy. That's the sequel.
1: I like maybe Candy and maybe a leftover brood. Who knows? <laughs>
0: She's manifesting like comical little broods you can market to kids like Ghostbusters Slimer.
1: Yeah, like yeah, like a l like it's like little gremlins or like um it's basically like, you know, the dog in full house, you know, just like yeah, oh, a they look pet like left.
0: the baby from the T V show Dinosaurs and have a catchphrase. <laughs> like they're just like, I'm getting upset. The I'm... camera zooms in and we're like ah! <laughs> We all just have a nice canned laugh about it. <laughs>
1: yep. Everybody loves <laughs>
0: Except every episode a different Kimmy Gibbler gets fucking brutally murdered. Yeah, brutally kitchen. murdered. And then uh Frank playing the part of Danny Tanner's just in there mopping, like, God, I hate messes.
1: Right. <laughs> and then th- and then but then uh throat scroat comes in and he's like, Hey man, cut Throat Scroat.
0: That's the name. Throat scroat. Throat scroat. Holy shit. There you go. <laughs> uh yeah, man. Now I don't even want to talk about I don't want, to talk, like, I want to talk about the brood. I want to talk about this it. full house scenario we've
1: yeah. come up with.
0: Uh, here's a weird scene. You remember the purple autopsy? Yeah. Oh, what the fuck was the point of that?
1: The autopsy?
0: No, I get the autopsy because that's where they explain, look, they have no navels. They're not born of uh natural cause, whatever. Right. right. That's to let us know that something is fucked up is going on, I guess, as if we couldn't determine that from <laughs> all the dead alcoholic grandparents. Yes. Yeah, surprisingly,
1: it was all very serious to me.
0: Why the crazy purple and black and white in that phase?
1: Um, I don't know. You know, like there's like stylistic, it's a stylistic choice, I guess. Like there's, um, wow. That's a really good question. I know. It's think interesting,
0: it. right? Cause they're like, they all have a hair lip, uh, but the bite is like, they kind of have like turtle mouths, right? Where their gums are so hard. They can still bite the shit out of right. you. This is where we get the fuel sack. Um, they have no junk. The brood has no genitals. This, that, I don't know if they have holes at all, except for their mouths. Uh, I but did, this is, it's so weird because it just goes into this, like, shocking purple wash over everything.
1: I didn't even think about that. Maybe, man,
0: well. I've been racking my brain trying to be like, what's behind that decision? That is. Because it feels so out of place for this movie, especially.
1: Right, right. I mean, it's not, hmm. Well, if you're changing your color palette in the, man, that is fucking, God damn it. you stumped me on this Shit.
0: Way to sh- go, throat screw it.
1: Fucking throat <laughs> screw takes me. Uh, if you're changing your color palette, maybe you're trying to... Do- fuck. See, like, I can't it even... It feels
0: like one of those where it's like, this is where unreality is now entering the story. Right. So maybe you're clearly marking that, but I'm like, I feel like we were going to get there anyways. <laughs>
1: I, it's, maybe it was
0: just a way to jar us and be like, "Hey, man! Anytime these kids are on screen, it's fucked up," as if we wouldn't already glean that from the rest of the film. I guess uh, I don't know. It was just—it was such a weird, like, on this show especially, right? This is Film Alchemist, so we like to talk about the weird and unusual and how that all blends together to make something more, right? And this one just jumped out at me as a really weird choice.
1: I mean, I guess maybe it would just be to direct us. Maybe it's to direct our attention immediately to what's – you know what? I'm not even going to try and theorize. I have no idea. Like, it's just – One
0: of us is getting a PhD when we solve this.
1: Yeah, for real. I will will absolutely solve this problem. God damn, that is fucking tough. I have no idea.
0: Here we go. Okay, I'm Googling this right now. Color psychology. Purple can have a calming effect over the mind and nerves. It can be uplifting and trigger creativity. Bitch, we're looking at a dead murder baby with yeah. no junk and enraged rage sack.
1: There's nothing calm. That doesn't help us so at there's all. There's no calming about. There's nothing calming about that at all.
0: Ah, uh, purple, dark purple represents sadness and frustration.
1: I mean, that could be it. No nope, color guess.
0: psychology. I feel like's not yielding much for us.
1: No, I yeah, I don't know. Like that is just. <laughs>
0: It's a really weird moment in the middle of the film that I've never understood the decision. That is
1: super fucking weird. Like I'm, we
0: see so many weird things that aren't reality per yeah. se, as we know it, that are not washed in a color. I don't know why it's the autopsy. It just it's a fast because this thing, like I said, film directors are so just n- insanely fucking laser focused on everything they do in their movies, right? When something like this happens, I'm always just like, why that choice? Well, I
1: think about Cronenberg, too. And again, like I said earlier, this movie is very deliberate in the way that they're present, uh, the presentation of this whole thing. So a color palette change that drastic would make sense because they're just, I don't know, like, fuck. God damn it. You
0: think we were getting bored of all the awesome murders?
1: (laughs) No, I wasn't. I was totally fine with it. It was very cool. I know. I I don't well, know. Was it-
0: Alchemist hit us up if you got something on that? I'd like to hear some opinions on that. Actually, I just jotted it down because I've always wondered.
1: Do you think maybe? Do you think maybe it was to? Uh, maybe it was to prepare us for what we were gonna see later in the movie. I don't know. Like it could be. I mean, it could be. I mean, it's so weird and out of. I guess so weird and kind of out of context that maybe later in the movie when we see
0: you know what it is i guarantee you this way it's probably just one of those that on the back end there was some kind of like huge terrible like lighting problem or something they couldn't fix and he's just like ah fuck it we can't reshoot just wash it oliver reed's in jail for streaking down the square just wash the shit out of it you
1: know what's sad is you fucking know that that's the way it is like there's nothing about it. i feel
0: like there's so many things in movies where like what is going on like what is this deep genius level decision and it's literally just like Oh God! We had a fucking super hot light on his elbow pad of his jacket the whole time.
1: (laughs) Make it look cool. Uh, You know, there's kind of just no way that that's not. There's no way that that's not the case. Like it's probably something that. I feel like I'm pretty
0: good at coming up with bullshit for why these things exist, and I've really been racking my brain.
1: This one fucking stumps me, man. I'm trying, like, I can't even. I I I don't know. That's weird.
0: All right. Next question I have for you. Alchemist, hit us up on this. Do you think the doctor is a co-conspirator at aiming Nola's rage into the world? Uh, Let me hit you with a theory. Do you think that he knows that Nola is like his Frankenstein monster, right? This is what's going to prove all his theories. So he is aiming her rage and fueling her fire to create these murders, to then create uh, a media storm of publicity for his church,
1: I think that's probably the most. That's probably the theory. I mean, to me, he knows people are dying, and he keeps fucking with. Well, them. here's the thing I don't understand about like, there's no way he doesn't know, and here's why. I, here's why I think that is because there's nothing about other than like, there's nothing about her. That is manifesting physically. Other than the f- other than that, like that's her manifestation physically, right?
0: I mean, they have the whole summer camp suite upstairs, full of these fucking little monsters in ugly coats,
1: right? Who the you know, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know who the fuck's building them bunk beds, but nevertheless, like they're up there. Yeah, and they?
0: that's the weird thing too. It's like, what are all those rage monsters doing? Their rage sacks are full because they haven't been sent after a target.
1: I think that he- maybe he
0: needed more of them alive just so that they could then be dissected later and prove. I think they're full of psychoplasma.
1: I think it makes a lot of sense that she would end up. It makes a lot of sense that the doctor would end up being a co-conspirator because
0: I feel that way, too. But especially like a really weird thing where they turn him hero at the end.
1: Kind of. But then like right before that, he's like fucking pulling a gun on Frank, you know, like there's a whole.
0: hmm. But he pulls the gun on Frank to then be like, oh, I'll go save your daughter.
1: Yeah, but that seems like... Unless maybe that that was a a rude... That seems like false uh, heroism, and he would be doing that.
0: So that he'd go in and she'd create, like, pumpkin head out of her body.
1: (laughs) That, or because that's, like, Candy's the card he gets to play on her still. Like keeping yeah. her around and keeping that leverage over her is very important. Oh hard.
0: yeah, that's true, dude. If Candy gets all fucked up, what right. do the brood look like then? See,
1: that's what I'm. Uh, yeah, because the mom
0: actually wants to fucking kill Candy for a minute.
1: Yeah, like she's going insane because she's really having a good time making yeah. rage womb babies. I think that <laughs> no, I think the I think Oliver Reed's definitely a co-conspirator, definitely without question. Yeah,
0: that's that's really fascinating. There's no I, way. I've, there's no way he's. So gonna... I was like, this guy, man. <laughs> And then he sends everyone home, like he doesn't want witnesses and shit.
1: Yeah, he knows what's up.
0: Because it's not to protect him. We saw what he did to Michelle in the opening scene. This is not a man who's a protector of these
1: people. Right. No, she she's his like pride and joy. She's like yeah. she's the manifestation. You're right. Like it's like uh, it's like John Hammond bringing uh, it's like John Hammond bringing uh, Sam Neill and Laura Dern to the island. Like yeah. like look what I did. Check this shit out. I can control yeah, this, by dude. the way. No, you cannot. I, that's crazy. Yeah, you love. know what
0: other scene I really love to jump... I know we're jumping around now. I'm just kind of doing like the things I loved about this movie. Because I love I loved the doctor in this movie. He's such an interesting kind of convoluted character, right. right? The heroism at the end struck me the same as you. I'm like, that's fucking false. Yeah. What's his deeper motive? But I love the scene when the, the brood twins go and kill the kindergarten teacher. <laughs> that's... But no, this is the fun... There are two reasons I like it. One is just because... It's one of those just – it's such a fucking insanely visceral image that I don't know you could do in a movie today. Right. Right? That's a little more taboo it feels like today. Right. But as she dies, there's this insane kind of – there's this thing that's always fascinated me like when you look at dead body pictures and stuff. Like If you're into true crime like I am in serial killers, some bodies feel like they are frozen in the most lively kinetic version of life. Right. And it's, it's like, oh my god, they had all of this life right as they're extinguished, and it becomes frozen on their face. I thought that the teacher laying on the floor bleeding out, I was like, that is just such a fucking lively image. And I was like, it's so insane, right? Just like, the whole way it plays out is just so visually arresting. Right. But that shot that just freezes on her face as she bleeds out, you see that in movies all... Like I just saw Vice today. That scene is in Vice, right? right. This one was just to cut above and i don't know why and then it cuts to the real part this thing is awesome is go back watch this and just freeze frame and look around the room at the child extra actors (laughs) because half of the extras are just like nah and they're just like coloring and they kind of glance over like that's weird and then there's one kid who's like oh no (laughs) (laughs) watching the kids try to act uh and just imagining what Cronenberg said to prep them, like, hey, can you pretend your beloved teacher just got fucking hammer murdered in the middle of a classroom? <laughs> I would have died to be a fucking fly hey-o, on the wall of set that day and see how he directed those kids uh, to act to the the murdering of a teacher.
1: Yeah, all the kids in this movie are also, like, startlingly, like, kind of like, meh. Like, they're all so blasé about everything. Like, kids are... So do you think that's on purpose? Like all the like like that scene and like Candy particularly as well. Like all of them are just sort of like untraumatized by everything. Like they kind of don't care about a lot of shit.
0: It's weird. Um, I mean, Candy definitely. Right. Because like when the brood twins show up and see her, she just kind of has this like, ah oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and it's she doesn't even try to alert the teacher or tell her to run. There's this inevitability to her. Where she's been so brutalized and traumatized that she just doesn't even expect things can be okay, which is also funny because that that fake newspaper I talked about. One of the things I saw in that that was fascinating is the picture of Candy who's missing is her smiling. That's the only time in the movie we see her smiling.
1: Well, that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, like I, she's just so checked out the whole time. And I was trying. Yeah. The thing I was trying to figure out, like between that and Candy, like what is Cronenberg trying to say about kids? it comes to that kind of thing our kids so our kids like when they're traumatized are they just so deeply checked out at one point and then but then at the end when she has like the two blumps on her arm like it's one of those things like are they so checked out and like they bury that trauma so deeply that eventually (laughs)
0: well this is why we need the full house sequel with throat scrote and michelle (laughs) it's because you know that no one is leaving this thing okay
1: no they're all fun. Frank
0: and his daughter. will never talk about that again, no. uh, but it will be the topic of every conversation. One of those things, right? Right. They're never going to mention it by name, but every sentence they say to each other, the rest of the life, that's going to be the like dynamite right. under the table. It's just like dripping.
1: Everything is like dripping with subtext. Hi. What'd you say? Why? What, what, what does that mean? Like, that's yeah. it.
0: No, it's cool, dad, that you forgot my happy meal toy. I mean, you know, like when you left me at that cult, it's cool. It's just fine. dad, <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's the yeah. movie. I, that's the movie I want to see. Actually, like just like a uh, kitchen sink drama of them going about their daily life and her constantly bringing that up. That's the movie I want to <laughs> see.
0: I, I I don't think I could watch that movie. It would definitely be a Lena Dunham joint where she talks about how hard it is just to exist in the world. Period. Like Ugh. the girls' pilot. Why do I have to have a job? I was at the cult where the babies came out of bosoms. I'm a millennial.
1: No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> your, your Lena Dunham impression is spot on. It's really good. Yeah, my Lena
0: Dunham's getting really good. <laughs> I actually don't even have an axe to grind against her. I was just like, imagine who is the kind of person who grows up and just complains about everything. And that was the first name that popped in my head. Well, That's fair. That's
1: good. I uh- uh,
0: okay. We have to we have to do this before we wrap up. We have to dissect this last scene. This is one of those and this is what I enjoyed so much about watching it this time is I had always kind of thought the brood was just like a functional movie to get us to one of the great ending scenes of all time. And that's why we talked about it and remembered it. Right. I don't think that's the case this time. I think there's a lot of a really kind of juicy filmmaking going on here. Sure. But that final scene is an all time drop the hammer scene. Yeah. I- when, cause this is the, this is what I love too. She's talking to Frank and you're like, is this going to work out? And she, he's just like, I just want to be on this journey with you. And she goes, do you? Do you really? Ugh. And it's so fucking muted that as an audience where you just
1: go, oh, God, no, no, where's she taking us? Yeah. As soon as <laughs> when she's like, do you? That whole thing, I'm like, something fucked up's about to happen for sure. Like, Frank might just, like, get. I was like, if Frank doesn't get split in half at that beat, like, that is like, that would be. And it, I mean, he doesn't. But it's just one of those things like. There's no way – you bring it up. Like There's no way anybody makes it out of this okay. Like no. That guy is fucked forever. Well, her her
0: acting is just so superb in this movie. This is where she kind of pulls back a hair and gives you the – when the crazy person kind of calms out for a minute, you're like, oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> and Oliver Reed's upstairs, obviously, just getting murdered by little hair lips, and they're trying to murder her daughter. But that's kind of – it's funny, because any other movie, that would be a big deal. That's just kind of like, oh, okay, we're just wrapping those threads up. <laughs> we're just going to tie that story yeah, thread up. That's, no big deal. This is
1: like the genius of Cronenberg is like, that should be the major set piece detail. And instead, you're so honed in on fucking Frank and Samantha Egg are like talking it out. You're like,
0: oh, yeah, God, this is who gives shit. And sh-? we assume that he gets killed. This could all be part of his cover up ruse.
1: Oh, that's true. We don't know. Maybe he winds up. It doesn't
0: feel like. Why would it take twelve of them to beat him down? They're obviously capable of just. I know it's Oliver Reed who's so fucking full of power, yeah, but
1: I think that's. Anyways, why. that
0: could be part of his ruse. Now I'm very conspiratorial, but when she pulls back, I'm not. I'm sure I'm not the only one who did this. When she lifts her mumu in this great kind of open arm uh, Cleopatra look, I immediately. I remember the first time I saw it, just pausing it. I think I had it on VHS. Actually, you pause it and just go, "What the fuck." And you have to spend, like, minutes, like, with your finger on the TV screen being like, wait, what's that thing? Yeah. Wait, what's – okay, that's a titty. What's that thing? What's – ew, what's that thing up there? It is so fucking repulsive.
1: Yeah, it's gross.
0: But then it gets worse. It's it's just bad enough, like, visually, the disgustingness of it. But then she has this, like, gestation ball on her lap
1: that's that she one- rips
0: open and pulls a baby out of.
1: That's the one that made me – that whole sequence right there is the most nauseating thing. I've, like, between that and the fly, body parts falling off, those are the two most nauseating things I've ever seen.
0: Oh, this one's the worst, because she fucking bites the sack open. Yeah. And then, and apparently this is something she just did on the fly. Yeah. Ah, see what I did there? This was a Samantha Egger choice to just, I'm just going to start licking the blood off this fucking thing. She was just like, I'm so fully... Encapsulating craziness, (laughs) but this just comes to me like second nature. It's the peak kind of like Zen Buddhist master level of acting that she must have been on. She just fully looked like a crazy fucking fire the whole
1: time. Oh my god,
0: that part is so fucking gross and vile.
1: Did you know? I I was reading this too. That um, so she did that. It makes it into the cut, and the uh, I can't remember if it was the producers or maybe the audience testing. They didn't like the way that it was cut made it look like she was trying to eat the baby. Yeah. That makes sense. There's this whole controversy. It's like one of the few times Cronenberg like chewed out the producers. He's like, you're going to fucking ruin this movie if you don't let me fucking do this the way I want to do it. Like, it's one of those great- Her
0: looking like she eats it, too, is kind of interesting at that point as her brood is about to kill her own daughter. Right.
1: Right. But it's also one of those things where, like, yeah, and again, oh, ugh. Oh, my God. I'm just, like, I'm nauseous thinking about it. It's the grossest thing I've ever seen in a movie. Like, she's just licking this little brood sow clean. You're like, this is disgusting. <laughs> oh, my God.
0: It's Yeah. But, uh, again, here's a – I guess – oh, wait. I just remember we did see Frank be – I don't know if it's abusive at the point of this movie. If Is it abusive when Frank chokes her ass to death?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> no, because he's saving his daughter,
0: right? He can hear Candy upstairs.
1: Is it, is it bad that I, like... Is it bad that, like, at that beat, I was like,
0: oh, God. Oh, you can also tell, man. Her and Frank used to have Fiery. Yeah. She's like, oh, kill me, kill me, Daddy. Woo! Oh, yeah.
1: No, like, they, oh my had, God. they had, like... That's, like,
0: those videos you have to pay for on the internet. They had, <laughs> like,
1: bar sinister, like, ball gag, awesome sex. Like, that's the kind of, like... That's the kind of sex Frank and, Frank and Samantha Edgar used to have. Like,
0: yeah, no, that's the sex you're always searching for... That's never the sex you marry. (laughs) Never marry that sex. Never marry the kill me daddy sex. No,
1: that's an important thing. Never marry that. That's really the lesson Cronenberg's trying to impart on all of us in this movie. It's not, man, this custody battle is really ruining my life. It's you never marry the fucked up sex girl. She will. It's never what it's all cracked up to be. Wow. (laughs) Cronenberg's just packing all kinds of lessons into this film for all of us.
0: Yeah, that's – I mean, I think most people, men and women, have found their kill-me-daddy sex partner. Those exist in men and women. Right, yeah. But they're there to be amused to you like, wow, this very short-lived and, like, euphoric sexual journey <laughs> is not as good as the other, like, 95-plus hours of misery that you put me through the rest of the week. They're they're amused for all of us. They're out there to help teach us, right? Yes. They're the opposite – like – that's the thing. They're not supposed to operate a Saint Elmo's fire and lure you off the path. They're supposed to send you away to something better. But he didn't. But yeah. So Frank chokes her to death, gets his daughter, burns the house. Yeah. Right. The house catches fire, and they drive away. Little brood bumps on brood Candy's bumps on arm. On Candy's
1: arm. Yeah. And that's and
0: he, only in our sequel does this end well for them. <laughs>
1: Only in You're our sequel angry. <laughs> Only in That's our it. sequel does Michelle and Throat Scroats save the day. But alas. Yeah.
0: Because the most likely sequel to this movie is that Carrie. Yeah. Like it's probably something like Carrie, it's right? It's essentially the The little girl sequel. goes up, finds Jesus to repress her bumps. Her daughter, Carrie, then comes out and starts murdering everyone. Uh it's just I I love the horror elements. I think the kills are great. The little brood monsters are awesome. Oliver Reed's in it. Samantha is it Eggers? Samantha Eggers? Samantha? I've been saying that wrong Samantha the whole Ager. show. Egger, she just fucking kills it in this.
1: Four um, days of filming.
0: But, but honestly, I like I like the way that they show this never ending cascade of trauma. Yes. To me, so it works on my higher brain level and my fucking lizard brain, and it gives you a couple moments that you'll just never ever be able to scrub from your mind. I mean, I think and to me, that's the, that's what I hope I walk away from every movie getting right. Right. High brain, lizard brain and things that I can't unsee.
1: That's the alchemy of Cronenberg, man. Like he, that's how he hits you. Every single movie he's ever made. There's never a movie I've watched of his that I think, Oh, this is like meant only for dumb people. Like this is only meant for me to like turn my brain off kind of cinema. Like, no, Cronenberg wants you locked in at all times, and you're going to have to fucking think through at least one of these scenarios while being completely grossed out by something you did not expect to ever see. Like, that's really kind of the genius of Cronenberg, and I think that's why he keeps showing up on, like, all of our months. We at least I feel like we've had a Cronenberg. I think this is
0: the second, because we did the fly, fly. and now we did this. Yeah, I think that's it. We haven't done Scanners or Videodrome yet. We've talked about it. Uh, We do have Existence coming up next month. Mm-hmm. yeah so he- plenty of chronomer guys i hope you like the brood as much as us obviously some of you did because it was our fans submitted uh final the pod stuffs your stocking entry uh guys we want to end the year this is our last show of the year and you might not even hear it until 2019 uh but we just wanted to say thanks man we kind of hit this thing running fast in july we've already gone over 50 movies with you guys uh the feedback the participation helping us spread the word um this has been an absolute fucking whirlwind and a blast yes and we're hoping that 2019 will be an even bigger better year for the show full of insanely fun movies and that you guys will uh be along on that journey with us
1: agreed i am so happy that all you guys have participated talked to us online anything it's fun and we like doing this show and it uh it makes it worth it when you guys tell us the kind of movies you like. And this month in particular has yeah. been nice to just have people reach out. And we've had really good picks. So exciting stuff coming up this year.
0: Yeah. And if you think of betraying the pod, uh, I'll send you a picture of what's growing on my teat to take vengeance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> guys, share, rate, review. All the good stuff. Don't think about my tits, guys. It's 2019. Let's have some good thoughts, finally. <laughs> Fuck you, 2018. For the film Alchemist, I'm Josh Griffin. I'm
1: Alex Dandino. Peace, motherfuckers.